Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following program contains adult content, explicit language, and sexual themes. Listener discretion is advised. And it contains murder. Lots and lots of murder. You stinking bastard. People tell me, hey, you're going to go die and go to hell. I'm going to send that woman. Time for 911. Where's your emergency? Oh, this is Sandy. We're pretty one look. Talk to me, look. One in the chest, one in the head. Fired by Detective Sergeant Roger Rogerson. I was uh, branching out. That's when the cannibalism started. Eating of the heart and uh, the arm muscle. Oh, I wear a male car with his hands. Look, I'll be tired with this and just pull it out of his backside. Carl Williams is a wobbly bottom little Cherub face, cherub face little boy who would, who, 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 whose, whose life would be. I harm someone each time I kill someone to be an enormous amount of uh, Especially at first, an uh, enormous amount of, of uh, horror, guilt, remorse afterwards. But then that impulse to do it again to come back even stronger. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saraban. And we do Bloody Murder. We're a comedy true crime podcast focusing on some of the lesser known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. What will you be covering this week, Barney? Well, it's what we will be covering. It is. In in Grandma Butter. In Grandma Butter and rolling down a narrow chute. Uh, We've joined forces for a change. And we're going to be talking about Chopper Reed because it's about bloody time. It is about bloody time. Uh Uh-huh. The man, the myth. The fuck knuckle handlebar moustache. That's the one. Chopper Reed spent most of his life as a standover man, robbing drug dealers and pimps and torturing those who resisted his demands until they started to see things his way. He proudly spoke of his moral code, saying that although he may have killed 19 people, tortured a lot more and caused a shit ton of property damage, he never hurt any innocent civilians. Well, he figured if these people were making money off drug addicts and sex workers, then why shouldn't he make money off them? Well, yeah. His specialities were removing toes with bolt cutters and blow torches, as well as putting live explosives in his mouth and threatening to blow up everyone, including himself. Yeah, he was a bit of a kamikaze. Chopper only spent 13 months outside prison between the ages of 20 and 38, having been convicted of crimes including armed robbery, firearm offences, assault, arson, impersonating a police officer and kidnapping, to name a few. And bad spoken word. Oh, yes. He was described as a cross between a complete psychopath and the crazy uncle at your barbecue. And also described as an evil, murderous, sadistic, publicity-seeking monster with no grasp of the truth, no remorse and no ears. (laughs) Chopper Reed might have murdered as many as 19 people, or as little as none, though in his later life he said it was only four. Although he used extreme violence to establish himself as one of Australia's most feared criminals, he was never convicted of murder. Chopper regarded himself as a national icon, kind of like a modern-day Ned Kelly, who was very bad news to other crims, but not a threat to law-abiding citizens. It's this aspect that allows us to speak fondly of him and laugh at his jokes. He was a really funny bugger with a unique turn of phrase, as you will hear. As vicious and ruthless as he was for most of his life, Chopper turned things around when he was released from Hobart's Risdon Prison in February 1998. The man who said he enjoyed the smell of burning flesh while torturing people with a blowtorch became a true crime writer, (laughs) an author of children's books, and a painter. Oh, his art was a bit bit on the nose, wasn't it? Yeah, it it was a bit on the nose. But we have to take everything uh, Chopper ever told us with a grain of salt because he happily admitted he never let the truth stand in the way of a good story. No, no, he really, really didn't. Opinion is divided as to whether we should be celebrating Chopper and the part that he's played in Australian culture. Personally, I didn't have an interest in him until I saw the movie, which is loosely based on his life. As he puts it, Chopper the movie is 100% lies and 100% truth rolled together to make 100% of nothing. 
Classic chopper, not great at maths. Until then, I thought he was just another dodgy bogan asshole. But afterwards, I had to admit that he was actually a very clever and witty bastard with a killer turn of phrase. What were your thoughts on Chopper? Like, did you did you find him interesting initially or did the movie really make you go, actually, there's something to this guy? I went back from the movie. Uh, I have read a couple of his books. He's not a great writer. No, uh, no. But he I does have think... a great turn of phrase. Yeah, yeah. There's a combination of extreme violence and, and, and humour. Yeah. Which shouldn't work, but in some weird way it does because it doesn't seem threatening to a normal person. It's because he's only talking about, like, hurting other crims. Yeah. I think that's what makes it more acceptable. And also, you just don't know. You just don't know what to uh, believe. Most of it's bullshit. He would steal stories from other criminals um, and, and, you know, write about them as though they were his own. But they wouldn't come forward and say, no, actually, I did all of those bad things because, of course, they wouldn't. They didn't want to get charged Well, that's right. That's why you rob drug dealers. They're he, not going to go to the cops, are he they? He was finding loopholes all finding through loopholes. all of his careers. Well, let's find out where it all began. Let's. Mark Brandon Reeb was born on November 12, 1954 to an overbearing Seventh-day Adventist mother and a war veteran father who slept with a loaded gun under his bed. Comforting. Yeah. His mother, Valerie, was described as attractive but severe and aloof. His father, Keith, was a soldier, retired from the army which he had joined as a 16-year-old. His father did what his wife told him to do, which meant handing out brutal beatings to his son whenever she saw fit. Yeah, with a word from her, Keith would give his son terrible beatings. He'd take his belt off and thrash Chopper until he was black and blue. And his mother would watch impassive, cold and uncaring, as if God had decreed that such punishments were just. Many studies show that children raised around violence are more likely to be involved with it as adults, and Chopper is no exception. No, he certainly isn't. Uh, In an interview with Enough Rope, he said he received no love from his mother growing up. When I was born, my mother said that I was not a gift from God. Things went downhill from there. (laughs) Despite the severe beatings, he says he did feel loved by his father growing up. And in fact, the nickname Chopper had nothing to do with his violence or his chopped off ears. Uh, But it was actually given to him by his father as a child. Um, And it was the name of a protective bulldog from a 1960s Hanna-Barbera cartoon called Yaki Doodle. Yeah, I remember that one. For the first five years of his life, he lived in children's homes and said he'd seen some bad shit there and had been molested. He uh, grew up in the Melbourne suburbs of Collingwood, Thomastown, Fitzroy and Preston. That's our stopping Yeah, ground. some of those Isn't really it? are. He was bullied at school, claiming that by the age of 15, he had been on the losing end of several hundred fights. <laughs> but the thing about Chopper is he's just as good at taking a beating or a stabbing as he is at handing them out. Yeah, that's for sure. He actually seemed impossible to kill for a while yeah. there. Yeah. Author of the book The Real Chopper, Adam Shand, believes that these days Chopper would have been diagnosed as a high-functioning autistic child or as a sufferer of ADD, saying he was an intelligent, personable kid with an astonishing memory, but in class he struggled with the distractions and demands of being in a group. He would quickly lose focus and become agitated and disruptive, and too much sensory input would lead to anxiety and aggression. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Mm. Chopper was made a ward of the state by the age of 14 and was declared insane at the age of 15 by mm. a Seventh-day Adventist psychiatrist acting on his mother's behalf. Well, that sounds legit. Yeah. Um, apparently, they placed him in a mental institution for turning his back on her religion. She figured if she could get him declared insane, he might still go to heaven. <laughs> Logic. Sounds like uh, it sounds to me like she's got some mental health issues herself. Hey, yes, Tara. indeed. Uh, Chopper said that he was given electric shock treatments, Valium and antipsychotics, when he was in a mental home. His father got him out after six months, but he was sent back again at the age of nineteen for reasons he either couldn't remember or didn't want to reveal. He was certified insane. Uh, a third time at the age of 23, but that was just after he got another inmate to cut his ears off. So there were some clear-cut reasons for that one happening. (laughs) Well, clear-cut ears. Yeah, quite literally. Although he enjoyed his reputation of being a violent nutter, he did not appreciate the stigma of being thought of as crazy. He would much rather be known as a violent and psychotic criminal than being insane. Mm. To him, there was more honour in violence than mental illness. Yeah, yeah, that's a strong thing that comes through in a lot of his interviews. When he was in his teens, Chopper was already an accomplished street fighter and the leader of the Surrey Road Gang. He started off robbing drug dealers based in massage parlours in Paran and later graduated to kidnapping and torturing members of the criminal underworld. Chopper said it was his father who had given him his moral code and love of brutality. Remember, son, he recalled his father telling him, just because you're going to kill a man, there's no reason for discourtesy. (laughs) 
<laughs> that kind of sums him up in one line, doesn't yeah. it? In 1971, Chopper committed his first murder. Oh. When he killed painter and docker Desmond Costello outside a pub in Collingwood. At uh, the Lone Star Arms. Yeah, yeah. I used to live across the road from there. Oh, did you ever go in when Chopper was around? No, I was there in 95. They, they served um, pints of gin and tonic. Wow, like did they have a keg of gin and tonic or did they make them just in a huge glass? They just made them for me. Oh, someone got special treatment. I did. The pub that, that loved Chopper and Barney. Yeah. We should go there. Um, the Painters and Dockers Union was an Australian trade union which represented labourers in the shipbuilding industry. In the 1960s and 70s, the union was alleged to have uh, criminal connections and it was shut down in 93 after a royal commission. So some of the guys in the Painters and Dockers Union back in the day were involved in some dodgy shit. Uh, Costello's murder was apparently an organised hit, but Chopper can't say why it came about. Uh, we do have a clip of him talking about it, though, um, so we'll play that for you. Well, Jesse Costello was standing here, he was here, yeah. and, uh, yeah, you know, you're a fucking imbecile, Des, you know. You, fuck it. you, you, you gotta get it, you know. Fuck. You're a fucking imbecile. Fucking whack. Bang. Come on, put your fucking hand up. Right, this one? Yeah, and then he went like that. Right. I was just a bloke that killed him. No, I can't really tell you why. I haven't got the idea. I'm trying to think of something why. I haven't got the faintest or remotest idea why. You know, you start to get in the land of, oh, really, I don't really, why? I, I don't know why. And I, as I sit here now, I couldn't care less. I mean, why? Why? It had nothing to do with it. I didn't believe where it was going to come, not from me. I was only a young kid, I was only 17 years old. When I pulled the gun out, he said, fuck off. You know? He said, what are you going to do with that, Chopper? I said, what do you think? And he said, get fucked, go away. He said, I'll smack you in the mouth. I'll take it off you and jam it up your ass, all this sort of stuff, you know? And so I just shot him. He started to insult me, you know? He'd take the gun off me and stick it up my bum and all this sort of stuff, you know? Dead as a doornail as far as I was concerned. Well, well the next morning, he said, <coughs> still, still a bit of a, a, bit of a cackle. Step on his fucking throat. We just fucking went do it like that. We just took a bloody, ugh, just a bit of a, bit of a. That's all it took. Ben. Uh, yeah. Of course. So yeah, they uh, took the body from the pub and dumped it just out the front of the Collingwood Shot Tower. The police found the body, but they never found the murderer. Yeah, he was never charged with that one. Yeah, seventeen he was. He first went to jail in December 1971 for assaulting a bunch of bouncers who were beating on a friend of his. It turned out the bouncers happened to be off-duty cops. Oh, that wasn't good luck, was it? No. While in prison in 1974, Chopper killed pedophile and child murderer Reg Isaacs by stomping on his head and chest, actually jumping on it, I believe, Yeah. Um, and then making it look like a suicide. Child rapists and murderers are considered the lowest of the low in our prisons. A lot of guys in the prison would have done what Chopper did. It's just that he got there first. We have a clip of him uh, describing in, in lovely detail the beauty that is this murder. Me and man Charlie walked into his cell and Charlie fell into the ground and I've jumped up on his bunk and tried to, and bang, jumped on his head from his bunk onto his head, from his bunk onto his head, from his bunk onto his head, right? And then I've gone from the bunk, I slipped in off the head and hit the chest. From the bunk on into the chest, bang, bang. And uh, he, he wasn't he wasn't dead, you know, but he was sort of like, and um, so I've taken his shoelaces off him, tied his hand, hands behind his back, and uh, and then I've taken the sheets off him, wrapped the sheets around his neck, lifted him up with Mad Charlie, got the sheets around his neck, and I've tied the sheet up over the, over the top railing of the Obso gate, pushed him down. And I've gone out of the cell and I've closed the cell door. There was no one that saw us. We were pretty quick in here. And um, anyway, at 7 o'clock that morning, uh, they've opened his cell door and, and found out that he, he committed suicide. No one ever questioned me for murder over it. No one ever thought it was murder. They ever thought it was suicide. Oh, well, anyone that had killed a child in such a manner didn't deserve to live. Well, well, it, it must have been up to me because... Um, Everyone in the Romanian yard shook hands with each other and said the first person that sees this bloke was obliged to kill him. And well, I happened to be the first person to see him, so it was up to me to kill him. Do you believe that story, Tara? I really, really don't know what to believe when it comes to Chopper. It's a, it's a very, um, I was going to say it's a lovely story. Okay, it's not lovely, but it paints him in a 
a good light because compared to a child rapist and murderer, he seems like a very good guy. I think there was one small flaw in that story. He said he tied his hands behind his back with his shoelaces. Yeah. And then strung him up. Don't oh, you think, yeah, well, don't I mean, you think them finding him with, the, with his hands tied behind his back might say it's not a suicide? Well, it does point quite strongly in the not-suicide direction. Who knows, maybe he untied him afterwards. The fact that the injuries were all from having his head and chest jumped on made it incredibly clear that he didn't die of being hanged. Uh, I just think that maybe the they didn't look into it because they didn't care. Yeah. Yeah, it would make sense. This is in the 70s. Yeah, it's in the 70s. It's inside a prison. It's a and child killer. He's a pedo. He's a, what are they, what are they call him? Rock spider, Rock spider. Dog. Yeah. Dog. 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 I don't get why calling them dogs is bad. Dogs are the best. Oh, yeah. Call them puppies. Puppies are even better than dogs. <laughs> so, in 1975, Chopper was convicted of two counts of armed robbery and put in H Division at Pentridge. Here he joined the infamous Overcoat Gang, so known because its members wore heavy overcoats made in the prison. The grey coats had blue patches stitched over the hearts of the wearers' front and back so the armed guards on the prison towers could shoot to kill more easily in a riot or escape attempt. Ah, well, they could just take the coats off during riots and escape attempts, couldn't they? Well, yeah. (laughs) I would have thought so. The bulky coats offered some protection from shivs and were ideal for hiding weapons under. Apparently, Chopper often wore similar coats on the rare occasions he was out of jail in the 70s and 80s because he could, hold, he could like hide weapons in the pockets and things. Oh, yeah. Other members of this gang included Chopper's one-time Pentridge BFF, Jimmy Lachlan, and Patrick Blue Barnes. Uh, the gang were involved in several hundred acts of violence against a larger opposing gang during the next few years. Hmm. Interesting. In January 1978, in full view of a sitting courtroom, he tried to kidnap a county court judge. This is this one makes not a lot of sense to me. So Chopper walked up to Judge Bill Martin and put an unloaded sawn-off shotgun to his throat. The judge kicked him in the nuts. <laughs> and, Go judge. And he was soon arrested by police who had been sitting in the back of the court. Uh, Reed said the plan was to hold the judge hostage so he'd re- release his mate Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy Lachlan uh, from Ward... Uh, Ward J, I think, in Ararat. Uh, uh, Ward J in Ararat. Um, these do not seem like the actions of a sane person, and he got 14 more years in prison. He couldn't have thought he was going to get away with that. Part of me really believes that he just wanted to go back to prison. Maybe he was institutionalised by then. Well... It's the only world he knew. It's, I mean, he was institutionalised. Like, he was in, foster, he was in like, group homes as a kid, and from the age of 14, he was mostly institutionalised as well in boys' homes. So... That would make some sense. It would make more sense than thinking you could get away with that and that oh, yeah. they would release your BFF. Absolutely. Anyway, that one blows my mind a little. Uh, later in 78, Chopper came up with a plan to win the prison gang wars by crippling every other inmate in the entire division. That was ice picking their spines, wasn't it? He, was, he wanted to, yeah, he wanted to like create all this like, you know, drama to get the screw's attention and then like run around crippling everyone who wasn't in his gang yeah. for life yeah, and turn them into jellyfish, I think jellyfish, he said. Jellyfish, yeah. This harsh plan led his fellow gang members to turn against him. He was ambushed and stabbed by members of his own gang, including Jimmy Lachlan, the guy who he tried to take the judge hostage to free, and Blue Barnes. But there is another theory about why they did this. The painters and dockers had actually put a $10,000 contract out on Chopper's head, and so it is believed that maybe those guys were just trying to cash in on the contract. Oh, yeah, it's, it's one of those could-go-either-way things. But um, they did stop everyone from getting made a cripple, so that might be a good thing yeah so he's in h division you know, that's the most uh, secure yeah it's for the most part. intense criminals yeah in pentridge uh so it was that was full of his enemies so an attempt to get out of there and avoid being killed chopper got another inmate keithy taylor to cut his ears off with a razor blade yeah his later work state that he actually did so to win a bet so who really knows an operation to sew his ears back on failed and a legend was born king of the bogan fuck knuckles it is I, Chopper, king of the fuck knuckles. Um, in early 87, Chopper shot drug dealer Christopher Liarpus in Footscray and burnt down a house belonging to fellow crim Nick Apostolidis. He would later write, I burnt Nick the Greek's house down. Big deal. I love a sunburnt country. <laughs> <laughs> in June of 87, he killed Sammy the Turk in the parking lot of Bojangles nightclub in St Kilda. He claimed Sammy had grabbed the gun from the front of his pants and tried to kill him with it but later admitted this wasn't true. Much to his surprise, the self-defence angle worked for him and a jury found him not guilty of manslaughter. 
Uh, this was the only murder he was ever charged with. It is pretty crazy that they didn't find him guilty, particularly with the rap sheet that he has. Yeah. Yeah, we have a clip of him um, describing this one as well, actually. When I killed Sammy the Turk, that wasn't a self-defence. That was outright fucking murder. Sorry, it shouldn't be swearing, but that was outright murder. I, I told the, um, the armory squad that night that, that it was self-defence. I said he grabbed the gun out of the front of his pants and I grabbed the shotgun out and click, click, click here and I've gone bang through the head. And I thought to myself, if anyone believes this story, they've got, they got, they got rocks in the head. Everyone swallowed it. I couldn't understand. And next thing you know, the jury would come back and said, not guilty. I, was, I, I didn't go, cheer, cheer. I just dumbfounded as the jury walked out. I'm still looking. Did they say not guilty? I couldn't believe it. Not guilty for that. Oh, God almighty. Thank God you can't be tried twice. In December 89, Chopper was jailed for two more years for intentionally causing serious injury to Liapis, arson and reckless conduct. He said he was working as an enforcer for the cops at the time, but they vehemently denied this. Well, uh, they would, wouldn't they? Well, they would, but also, do you think they'd work with him? That sounds a little uh, little unlikely to me. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. He's too much of a loose cannon. So, Tara... So, Barney... Chopper learned to read and write in jail, and in 1990 began corresponding with a Melbourne journalist, John Sylvester. He and his colleague, Andrew Rule, edited the letters to create a book, Chopper from the Inside, The Confessions of Mark Brandon Reed, which hit the bookstores in 1991. John Sylvester, now crime reporter with the newspaper The Age in Melbourne, wrote, There is no doubt some of Reed's stories are embellished, polished, or in some cases, stolen, but there is also no doubt that through the 70s and 80s, he was one of the most dangerous men in Australia. In November 1991, Chopper was released from Pentridge Prison and moved to Tasmania, vowing to go straight. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Chopper's first book was an instant success, going on to sell more than 200,000 copies. Which is crazy because um, when they first did the book, he was he was told, oh, look, it might sell 5,000 if you're lucky. But people just couldn't get enough of his, of his stories. Like, it was a huge deal. And it actually ended up being um, the most shoplifted book in Australia. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. A lot of shoplifting. Dubious honour, that oh, one. Oh, by the way, Chopper was on the front page of every Australian paper when he cut his ears off. Oh, you know? yeah. 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 Basically, there was this um, this sense of like fame and infamy happened, and he just really lent into it. Oh, yeah. He loved the camera. Yeah, yeah. And he, look, I can't really blame him for it, too. Celebrities are usually so boring. You can't say he was boring. No, he definitely wasn't boring. No, not boring. Chopper followed it with Hits and Memories, 1992, How to Shoot Friends and Influence <laughs> People, 1993. Uh, he went on to produce books at a rate of roughly one a year for more than a decade. Ah, he was Woody Allening. He does a movie a year, not the other stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh. Initially, he wrote autobiographical tales, but then he turned to crime fiction and even children's books. But Uncle Chop Chop became internationally famous due to the success of the 2000 film Chopper, based on his first book. It was a critical and box office hit and catapulted its director, Andrew Dominic, and star Eric Banner onto Hollywood's A-list. Dominic went on to direct the brilliant Killing Them Softly. Love that film. Oh, my God. Ben Mendelsohn in Killing Them Softly is just one of the most amazing things you will ever see. He's like Ozzy as incarnate. Oh, yeah. But stinkier. Andrew Dominic also directed The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, which is a catchy name for a film, and One More Time with Feeling, which is a recent documentary about Nick Cave, the death of his son, and the recording of his latest album, Skeleton oh. Tree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good album. In the movie Chopper, Eric Banner, a comedian who had been recommended by Chopper for the part, brilliantly captured the mix of violence and humour that the role demanded. Yeah, he wasn't a, a serious actor back then. He was on, um, like, was it Fast Forward or Full Frontal, which was just yeah. like a comedy sketch show here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't in any way a serious actor. Here's a short audio clip of Eric Banner talking with Chopper while he was researching the part. Chopper is explaining to him what prisoners like and how he always looked after the newly incarcerated when they were having a hard time. Uh, so we'll play that clip. There's not much of Eric in it, to tell the truth. It's mostly oh, well, just Chopper. Mostly Uncle Chop Chop. Yeah. Well, you, you go to jail, you're sitting there, you're worried about your wife, you're worried about your family, you've got seven years, you're bloody well crying in your sort of night time. The bloke that hands out the clothes is giving you shit to wear. Bloke that hands out the radios is giving you a busted radio. That bloke that hands out the TV sets is giving you a busted TV set. You don't know nothing how the jail works. It's just surrounded by people. Uh, you go to clean your teeth and someone's pinched your toothbrush. 
you know, you, can, you go to your cell and someone's gone into your cell and shit on your bed just because you're on your own, you've got no friends. It's, it's an animal place, right? Yeah. Suddenly, a bloke with no ears walks up to you. What's your name? Oh, my name's Eric. How tall are you, Eric? Oh, six two. How much do you weigh? I'm not going to kill her. Eric, you punch the cunt out of half this fucking jar. What are you sitting there with tears in your eyes for? Tell me, wife, and you know, there's blokes over there, you know, they come from where I live and they reckon I owe money and, and um, you know, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. I'll tell you what, Eric, you don't look like a bad bloke. I'll go and sort them blokes out for you. We'll fix this problem up for you. So I go to all of these blokes and I talk to them. My favourite trick was, I used to get up to him and I'd say, is that bloke over there? I said, I like that bloke. He's going to be a new member of my crew. He's a fucking idiot. Well, he won't be an idiot in about two months' time after he stabbed about, after he stabbed about 20 of <laughs> these. Because I intend to arm him up. Right? I says, and that idiot over there crying, who you cunts have been standing over, is going to be in my crew. And I'm going to give him a bloody great big tomahawk. And I says, and what's more, you're not going to be sending your mates around to pick on his fucking wife. And all this money he, you reckon he owes you, that's cancelled. That's cancelled. By the way, how is your mother in Preston Street, Ascot Vale? Is she well? Is she? <laughs> you want to rock and roll? Let's party. No, 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 no. Right, that idiot over there is now in my crew. And I'm going to arm him up in about 20 minutes time, right? And I'm going to tell him if he wants to stab the guts out of you, there'll be no comeback, will there? <laughs> right? no, 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 look, this has gone too far. This has gone too far. No, look, 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 no. We only had a blue with a bloke on the outside. Look, we thought he'd give us up. We thought he'd give us up over that armed robbery. No, 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 look, we, we could be wrong. We could be wrong, you know? And, he, you know, I've got no trouble with his wife. It's only Bill who reckons he owes us the money. Oh, no, no, look, we'll sort it out. We'll sort it out. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Every single one of us is going to go up and apologise and say, I'm sorry for upsetting you, Eric, because Eric's in our crew now, right? Mm. And we may or we may not stab the shit out of you by tea time, right? <laughs> go back, Eric's armed up 20 minutes time. Instead of crying and being all lonely, next thing you know, Eric's down on the muscle line. Suddenly, he's wearing an overcoat. Oh, it's 90 degrees in the fucking shade. I'm sweating like a pig. Oh, what's this? That's a fucking tomahawk. Oh, my God. Yeah. The screws are patting him down. They feel the bloody tomahawk. They look at him and go like that. Because <laughs> he's standing next to me. They go, oh, another recruit. <laughs> How mentally stable is he? I go, oh. <laughs> and, um, because there is nothing more frightening in jail than a, than a psycho. <laughs> oh my god Do you like that chopper laugh? <laughs> I love the It's the most maniacal laugh Oh, oh He's such such a crazy cunt Anyway, the events portrayed on screen somewhat contradicted Chopper's books. For example, Chopper claimed to be against drugs but the film portrays him as a casual drug user In response, Chopper said Well, you have to have tried something to be able to say you hate it Good point yeah. The film's success led to Chopper developing a cult following, and he began writing columns for the British men's magazines FHM and Nuts. Chopper donated all his earnings from the film to the Melbourne Royal Children's Hospital. Chopper said in an interview he had 1% of the profits of the movie, which was came to over half a million dollars. Wow. Um, which he donated. But, yeah. um, well, he had no choice as a literary proceeds order, LPO, or Proceeds of Crime Act of 2002, is designed to prevent offenders exploiting their notoriety for commercial gain. Chopper was super pissed when he wasn't invited to the movie premiere. He even compared himself to Erin Brockovich, who was also apparently not invited to the premiere of her biopic. <laughs> and I was like, I'm a, I'm a modern-day Erin Brockovich. <laughs> yeah, right, mate. <laughs> Chopper's crime novels went on to sell more than half a million copies. Chopper then began writing fictional tales based on a, his experiences of criminal life. 
He wrote one called The Adventures of Rumsley Rumsfeld, which is apparently an adults-only fairy tale. Chopper says his book is a rather rude yarn about a shy young lad having sex on a cattle yard fence. This was not a literary success for Chopper. Attempts were made to ban a children's book written by Chopper titled Hooky the Cripple. Oh, Jesus. Illustrated by artist um, Adam Cullen. Cullen was awarded the prestigious $35,000 Archibald Prize in 2000 for his deliberately, crudely rendered portrait of actor David Wenham, who I love. Well, everyone loves Wenham. Oh, yeah, he's the other red meat. Mm. Uh, like Chopper, Cullen is not shy of attention. While studying at the Sydney College of the Arts, a young artist gained uh, notoriety by chaining a rotting pig's, pig's head to his leg and trailing it around for weeks on end. <laughs> Seriously? Weeks? <laughs> Did he take it off when he went home? So What's the logistics? What about this book? <laughs> what about this book, Hooky the Cripple? Hooky oh, the Cripple is set in the 16th century. Hook- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. He is a hunchback son of a prostitute who stabs a bullying butcher in the head 20, 21 times, eventually going to trial for murder. Um, you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find a copy of that too. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of those around. It, yeah, it actually did get banned in quite a few schools. Yeah, well, I don't think you're allowed to say any any of the words that he's used, even in the title. Yeah. A three-star review online um, in part read, the primary message of the book seems to be that if someone offends or annoys you, physical violence or degradation should be your first recourse. Um, They summed it up saying, overall, it's a strange and deeply uncomfortable story and I'm not sure that I'm happy to have read it. All in all, between 1991 and 2011, Chopper wrote 15 books. In 1992, Chopper is sent to Risdon Prison in Tasmania for the shooting of Sidney Collins. Why did he shoot the head of the outlaw's motorcycle gang at his wedding? (laughs) Uh, Because it's just something Chopper would do. Well, we have a clip of Chopper explaining why. Okay, good. Because he was the national president of Outlaw Motorcycle Club, I was supposed to donate $8,000 to his bloody wedding. So all the people that were coming to the wedding, the, the main people, had to bring eight grand. I'm not giving him eight grand for his bloody wedding. I don't even know how to ride a motorbike. You know, what uh, will these bloody bikies want me to invite me to their bloody weddings for? You've got to bring bloody large amounts of money. <laughs> Stick it up, you bum. What more do you need? Bang, get a bit, get a bit of that into you. <laughs> well, I said, do you want one of the brain? No. And I said, will you go under the lemon tree or out the, in, into the hospital? Where, where do, you, do you tell on people? No. You don't tell on people? You, you stick solid? Yes. Won't go give me up? No. All right, good. So we can take you to hospital and you remain silent. Yes. Word on that? Yes. I believe you. Righty, I take him to hospital. Sidney Collins did give him up and he got six years. Chopper never forgot that. In 1995, Chopper married Australian Taxation Office employee Marianne Hodge while still imprisoned. The couple had one son, Charlie. They divorced in 2001. Chopper finding farm life in Tasmania boring. Because, uh, yeah, he, he got out shortly after he married her. He left with just the clothes on his back and enough money to return to Melbourne. There he worked behind a local bar part-time. That's the, the one that you live near, right? The one I used to li- live near, the Leinster Arms in Gold Street, Collingwood. Is it still there? Yeah. Ah, oh, classic. Yeah, it's still there. Then Chopper invented a board game. Because of course he did. The blurb for it reads, part board game, part Russian roulette, all Chopper read madness. Chopper the game is a ram raid ride through the Australian crime world. 
Start off on the doll, of course, then visit brothels, stand over notorious crims, take the blows, beat the coppers and belt your way chopper-style through Pentridge to Tassie after rampaging through not-so-sunny Melbourne. Line up your bestest mates, stuff the fridge with stupid amounts of beer, <laughs> visit the local herbologist <laughs> and get down and very, very dirty with the big fella himself. Lose whole days in strip joints. Get rich, get poor, get chased and in general get into loads of trouble. I've never seen this board game. Well, it exists. I know, yeah. but like where? If anyone has one of these, you have to let us know. I'd be curious to even see what it looked like. In 2001, Chopper was featured in an advertisement on behalf of the Pedestrian Council of Australia, warning of the dangers of drunk driving. Chopper is seated at a kitchen table undoing his shirt and while pointing to the numerous scars and injuries on his body, he says, When I was in prison, I got slashed in the face. My ears cut off, my eyebrows trimmed, and a butcher's knife here, an ice pick here. Not fun at all. If you drink and drive and you're unfortunate enough to hit somebody, you ought to pray to God that you don't go to prison. So he was using his experiences for, well, a good turn. Yeah. Also, it needs to be said, this guy was covered in tattoos and mostly it looks like a few four-year-olds drew on him. Yeah, they were not they, sophisticated tattoos. They doodle on him with a biro. Yeah, there's even like <laughs> lots of little love hearts and shit, like really crudely drawn. In 2002, Chopper appears in the Australian film Trojan Warrior, where he played a cameo role as Eric Banner. <laughs> well, you've got, to, you've got to kind of respect their thinking there. Now, I haven't seen this film. I've been trying to find it, actually. Yeah. But the IMDb says um, about it, when a comical mob bagman rats out a local mob boss, the bagman's cousin must rescue him from both the mob and the cops so he can testify to the grand jury. 3.3 stars. <laughs> That's out of 10. Oh, wow. Uh, my friend Jacinta actually worked on that film. She was a production coordinator. Yeah. And I DJed the film's rap party. Did you know that? Um, well, I do now. Was Chopper there? Chopper wasn't there. I, he the probably wasn't invited. Were there. Jacko was there because he was in the film. Ah, oh, I'm an individual. You can't fool me. Yeah, more about Jacko later. Um, so in 2002, Chopper murdered Sidney Collins. So that's the bikey guy that yeah. he shot earlier and took to hospital. In his last interview, 16 days before his death, he admitted to killing Sidney Collins. It was revenge for Collins informing police of who shot him in 1992. This, as we know, put Chopper behind bars for six years. Collins' body was never found and no one was ever charged with the murder. Oh, well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, we have a clip of Chopper talking about the murder of Sidney Collins here. No, 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 no. We're in Casino, New South Wales, doing a talk night. Talk night, me and Jacko doing a talk night. Who do you think comes up to me after the talk night and wants me to sign a piece of memorabilia? Hello? Hello, Trevor. You sign this? I can't believe it. What, what are you doing here? Oh, bygones are bygones? Are you sign this? No. I'm not signing anything with you. I'm not signing anything. Uh, I can't even, oh, I can't even believe it, you know? And uh, I'll see you backstage, eh? Come and talk to us backstage. He was there. <laughs> oh, I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Mad. Idiot. Completely insane. Off his head on cocaine. I hopped into his car, going back to his place, bang, bang, bang. bang. And uh, I shot him the last time with his gun. I killed him this time with his gun. That's how stupid he is. <laughs> I shot him the first time with his gun. I shot him the second time with his gun. How stupid is this person? This, he is an idiot, complete idiot. Oh, yeah, this time I was shooting to kill him. Last time he just got up in the guts and a trip to hospital. Very Christian last time. Not this time. Bang. Because he was an absolute turd. <laughs> because he was an absolute turd. Uh, chop, chop. Chop, yeah. Oh, Uncle Chop, Chop. In January 2003, he married longtime friend Margaret Cassar. They had one son, Roy Brandon. Chopper said, When I was 50 and I saw my second boy born, I became a fully paid up member of the human race. He also sold out at least four art exhibitions and in 2003 sold a self portrait to the State Library of Victoria for $1,400. Yeah, my, my son could do better art than that. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. My toes could do better art than that. <laughs> in 2005, Reed embarked on a tour of Australia, performing a series of shows titled I'm Innocent. Oh, how ironic. With Mark Jacko Jackson. Uh, you folks in the USA would probably know him better as the Ever Ready Battery Dude. Oi. Oi. 
And now I've got a couple of live clips. Oh, Lord. Please give it up for Mark Brandon Chopper Reed. Of course we were kidnapping and taking their bloody money and, and all, all the rest of it. But, bloody, um, basically that was it. We just kidnap them and take them, bash them and smash them and bash them and smash them and um, <laughs> give them a good eye and then let them go. <laughs> I know. He really enjoys his own stories, doesn't oh, he? Oh, yeah. He loves the sound of his own voice. Oh, fucking digs it hard. Um, so Chopper later toured Sydney in a stage show with a new co-star, former detective Roger the Dodger Rogerson, uh, who Barney talked about in our episode number 29. Very corrupt cop. Oh, so corrupt. In jail for murder at the moment, actually. Yeah, suck on it, Dodger. Here's a short clip of Rogerson explaining why an ex-cop and a hitman would make a good comedy duo. Well, because of course they would. I am a dead set psycho for sure. Uh, I've got proof that I am. I go to a psychiatrist. He's told me I'm a nut. Having uh, Chopper and myself on the same show, we, we started off in completely opposite poles, but we come together, we, we talk about similar things uh, from both sides of, of the spectrum. With Jacko in the middle. Uh, Chopper then toured throughout Australia with comedian and friend Doug Chappelle. Chopper made regular guest appearance on, on Doug's uh, Melbourne International Comedy Festival show in 2008 called Comics Live in Your Lounge, where the two of them would tell stories on stage together. One of the stories Chopper tells is he was once forced to dig his own grave. Oh, who hasn't been forced to do that? So apparently he was caught off guard and thrown into a boot of a car one night. They were dr- driven to a deserted location and he was forced to dig his own grave. But with Chopper's quick thinking, he kept talking and digging until suddenly he swung the shovel at the kneecap of the kidnapper and nearly took his leg off. Chopper escaped and he still remembers the song Everybody Loves Somebody by Dean Martin playing while he was in the boot. (laughs) I've also heard him say that uh, someone ended up in that grave, but it sure as hell wasn't him. Yeah. In 2006, Interview with a Madman was released. Get this. It's a hip-hop album by Chopper. It features gritty tales of organised crime, jail time and ear mutilation, and he's supported by beats and guest appearances by various other hip-hop artists. You've got you to gotta play some of this for us, surely. All right, yeah, let's play some of it. All right, but not too much because we're innocent, okay? We're not guilty. We didn't do anything wrong. This is Mark Brandon Chopper Reed, and you want to listen really carefully to what I'm about to tell you. If you ever diss me, I'm bring it to you. Come around here, act the hardcore, you never did dirt. If you ever diss me, I'm bring it to you. Come around here, act the hardcore, you never did dirt. If you ever diss me, I'm bring it to you. Come around here, act the hardcore, you never did dirt. If you ever diss me, I'm bring it to you. Got a cool psychopath that'll stab you up too. You're all soft cocks, dogging on your mates in the cop shop. You'll get fucking shot with Uncle Chop. Tears of my eyes. <laughs> he had some good moments there, but when he, he tried to make Eric Banner scan with the other shit he was saying, it yeah. just didn't quite happen. No. And um, there are actually music videos made for the tracks Night with Chopper and Remember Me. And you can check those out on YouTube. Yeah, if well, you... I, I certainly did. Well, yeah, well, if you've got half a brain, you're almost not as good as that gif of uh, Hulk Hogan riding a motorbike oh, while someone throws a dog into the ocean. Nothing's as good as that. You gif. can check that out on our Facebook page, by the way. <laughs> I know. We should actually make it the banner if we possibly could. So later that year, Chopper appeared in another commercial, speaking out against domestic violence. He also allowed use of his name to a beer called Chopper Heavy. The beer was produced in Rutherglen, Victoria, a town associated with Australia's most notorious outlaw, Ned Kelly. In 2007, Chopper declared himself bankrupt due to a gambling addiction. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Hey, um, Tara, are you hungry? Would you like to eat Chopper's nuts? Uh, I'm right, thanks. They come in salt and vinegar, sweet and salty, chilli, Mexican curry and hickory 
Uh, well, you can't eat Chopper's nuts. You're allergic. I can't. That's true. Chopper made the headlines again in December 2008 after being questioned by police about an alleged incident in Collingwood. Chopper was attacked by a tomahawk-wielding man he said that he'd never met before. He said, oh, I ran, ran to the panel beaters and grabbed a pipe. I said, come here now. And he jumped into a car and pissed off. Chopper suffered a minor injury to his arm after being hit with the blunt end of the tomahawk. Well, it's the end you want to be hit with oh, if absolutely. you get a choice. Uh, he was questioned by detectives before being released, and his alleged attacker has not been found. Chopper contracted hepatitis C during his time in prison, possibly by using a blood-stained shaver. Oh, I think maybe some of the ways that he got his... Um, his doodly. Uh, his doodly tattoos mightn't have been super, like, cleanly either. Yeah. Well, in March 2008, he revealed he only had uh, two to five years to live and required a liver transplant. Chopper used Twitter to tell the world. Of course he oh, did. like you do. He said, looks like the big C is finally bitten. Let's see how we go. The crooked-turned-author told his 3,428 followers. Oh, well. Um, he said, I'm not going to ask for a liver transplant. It's not fair. I'm 55 years old. I'm not going to put my name down against some 10-year-old kid. I do what I'm told and try to live a clean life, but this is killing my liver and killing me. I will die. In February 2012, Chopper was banned from firing the starting pistol at his son's Little Athletics. He failed at working with children's check. Oh, right. Well, I mean, <laughs> he would. Yeah. In April 2012, Chopper was given weeks to live. Looking gaunt, he said that he did not fear death but did not want to die in a pool of his own blood after being rushed to hospital badly hemorrhaging, hemorrhaging and losing more than four litres. He underwent surgery in July 2012 to remove tumours from his liver and in late September 2013, he was admitted to the Melbourne Private Hospital in failing health. He said he would be happy to donate his organs, but, but they said they would not be good to anyone. No, probably not at that point. Um, so Mark Brandon Chopper-Reed died of the illness on the 9th of October 2013, age 58. Um, there's actually, um, in an interview with the New York Times, they asked him what he would do if he died and, you know, met his maker. And he said, I think if anything, I'm owed an apology. I don't think he was very fair with me. I think if there's a God, he owes a lot of people an apology. Mm. Ah, I might have a point there, Chop Chop. Yeah, true that. The heavily tattooed Chopper will be remembered for his swagger and as an Australian good bloke with a belief in righteous violence. He had a casual relationship with the truth. They were fuck buddies. <laughs> in and out of each other's lives over the years. They were friends with benefits, huh? Yeah. Yeah, they certainly weren't, like, seeing each other exclusively, were no. they? <laughs> um, Andrew Rule, who co-wrote Chopper's first book, said that as a young man, he was bizarrely careless. His main feature was not that he was necessarily bigger or stronger or tougher or a better fighter than all the others, because others would transcend him in all those things, but he was fearless of consequences. Chopper told Andrew Denton in 2007... If you're waiting for a heartfelt apology or a tearful rendition of Danny Boy, you'll be a long time waiting because I don't regret, regret nothing I did. Artist and collaborator Alan Cullen describes Chopper as strong but fragile and gentle. He had a bad start. I think it is honourable that he has taken responsibility for that. He has spent a hell of a lot of time alone and is incredibly well read. We can talk about everything from Nietzsche to Wyatt Earp, Jerry Adams to Henry Lawson, and the differences and similarities between writing and making art. He always makes the best of a bad situation. I might joke about death, but Mark laughs in its face. Yeah, that laugh. Oh, he does that laugh in its face, and death kind of like feels uncomfortable and then runs away. Yeah, let's hear it again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, laughing in death's face. <laughs> I think I need that as a ringtone if my phone was ever not off silent. Uh, Chopper's manager, Andrew Parisi, said he fought a long and courageous battle against cancer. Despite his failing health, he delighted the audience in his last show with his skills as a raconteur and storyteller. This is how he would wish to be remembered, as someone who spun a great yarn and made many people laugh. Mr Parisi said despite Reed's criminal past, he had lived a quiet life with his wife Margaret in their Collingwood home for more than 15 years. He worked as a writer, painter and public speaker, paid his taxes and took care of his family. Mr Parisi said he hoped people would remember Chopper for the way he changed his life rather than his criminal upbringing. It is as a husband and father and friend that Mark will be missed most deeply, he said. Yeah, but 
you know, kind of fuck that as fuck well. That. I but agree. Because he killed four people. Um, he left children fatherless, children that would have been innocent despite the crimes of their fathers. He bashed, stabbed and intimidated. He was very complicated, loved and admired by half of Australia for his charisma and his turn of phrase. Uh, he did go on to say that posh people love gangsters. Um, that was an observation he made of why his books sold, sold so well. I mean, he wouldn't have kept writing them if people weren't buying them. He was a surprised as anyone that that happened. So while there was plenty of gruesome material to draw on, he was always at pains to assure readers that he never harmed women or children. The other half of Australia has a different view, Tara. Former Mm. homicide uh, detective Charlie Bazinna declared Chopper's life should not be glorified, saying he's been revered and people forget his violent past. You can never lose sight of the fact that he was a criminal and spent 23 years behind bars, and for good reason. Yeah, Australians will remember Uncle Chop Chop as a badass, a murderous but strangely familiar and likeable character. Red's Twitter bio tells you nearly all you need to know about a man who was unashamed of the hard life he had led. It reads, 23 years, 9 months jail, stabbed, bashed, shot, run over, 60 serves of shock treatment, certified three times, author, artist, actor. Hmm. R.I.P. Chopper Reed. Yeah, Vale Chopper. Vale Uncle Chop Chop. Laugh again. Do the laugh again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Uncle Chop Chop. Oh, Choppy. So what do you think, Tara? Do you think Chopper was a psychopath? Um... (sighs) Man, it's really complicated, and because I don't know what's entirely true and what isn't, I'm not really sure. Have you ever heard of the psychopath test? Um, I have, actually. Or, or the psychopath checklist, the PCL? That was originally developed in the 70s by Canadian psychologist Robert D. Hare. Uh, according to American prison statistics, 25% of the prison population are psychopaths. They account for 70% of prison violence. Uh, the world's population, uh, 1%. Oh, well, that's much less, isn't so it? So they're all our CEOs. Um, <laughs> Presidents. Presidents. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, that teacher <laughs> that you hated in high school. Oh, yeah, PE teachers. PE teachers, those um, kind of things. Oh, they probably work for the, you know, like um, the government in terms of who gets social security benefits and who doesn't. Dentists. Uh, parking ticket officers. Oh, inspectors on public transport who fine you for not having a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, they're out there. Well, Robert D. Hare, he argues that the test should be considered valid only if administered by suitably qualified and experienced people under scientifically controlled and licensed standard conditions. Okay. Fuck that. Let's let's give let's give <laughs> let, let's give Chopper the psychopath test, all right? Oh, well, you know, we we are certainly experienced clinicians and this is a scientifically controlled and licensed standardized condition that we're in right now. So, let me explain how it works, Tara. Okay. So, there are 20 items to be scored on. Each of the 20 items is given a, a score of 0, 1, or 2 based on how well it applies to the subject being tested. Okay. Okay. So, I'll start. Yeah. Glib and superficial charm. Oh, well, top marks for that one. We'll give him a two for that. Yeah. Grandiose grandiose estimation of self. Oh, well, high. Two. two. Need for stimulation. Yeah. Two. two. Pathological lying. Oh, is there a five? <laughs> two. <laughs> Cunning and manipulativeness. Certainly. Lack of remorse or guilt. Oh, hell yeah. Two. In spades. Uh, shallow affect. Superficial emotional responsiveness. Uh, Let's give him a one on that. Boat. Okay. Uh, callousness and lack of empathy <laughs> for the people he hurt certainly uh, we'll give that a two parasitic lifestyle well I mean it doesn't sound like he was living off everyone but he was certainly living off heroin dealers and things by robbing them so that's yeah. a that's a kind we'll give of it a one. one yeah poor behavioral controls mm. two big time sexual promise me sex. <laughs> sexual promise me curacy <laughs> sexual promiscuity was was chopper a schlumper you can't even say promiscuity what does that Shut say up. about you it's because of your advanced syphilis it's rotting your brain well, well i think he was in jail for too long so uh we'll give him a zero on that yeah i don't think he had a hell of a lot of opportunities to be heterosexual no early early behavior problems uh yeah actually we'll give him a one okay Lack of realistic long-term goals. <laughs> I don't know. I think his career is going to actually dwarf most people's, but it's not like he meant to do uh, that. <laughs> two. Two. Yeah. Impulsivity. Oh, fuck yeah. Two. Irresponsibility. Oh, well, yeah, somewhat. Well, I'll give him a one. Failure to accept responsibility for own actions. 
Um, that well, that goes both ways. I think it's extremely, a two. yeah. Many short-term marital relationships. Oh, he didn't even have the chance. So well, no. he was married twice. We'll give him a That's zero nothing. on that. Juvenile delinquency. Oh fuck yeah! And this one I don't quite understand. Revocation of conditional release. So that means if you're, I think if you're, you know, violating your parole, that kind oh, of thing. Right. Not I'm playing f- the rules. Right. Well, duh. Two. So that's a two. Yeah. Criminal versatility. Oh, a bit, a little bit, not really. That's about you know, getting away with it. Yeah. Taking steps to get away with stuff. Well, he took some steps in with the murders, if we believe what he said. Um, Let's give him a one. Okay, yeah. He certainly um, didn't get away with trying to kidnap a judge in front of some cops. Okay, I've been adding that up as I've been going. Mm-hmm. And can you guess what he got? Um, 30-something. 31. Ah. So a prototypical psychopath would receive a maximum score of 40, while someone with absolutely no psychopathic traits or tendencies would receive a score of zero. A score of 30 or above qualifies a person for a diagnosis of psychopathy. Okay. People with no criminal backgrounds normally score around five. Wow. Many non-psychopathic criminals score around about 22. So oh. he scored a 31. So that's 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 pretty good. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to have to do that test myself. Ted Bundy scored 39 out of 40. Oh, well, he is a star pupil in this area. Peter London uh, scored 39 out of 40. Clifford Olsen 38 out of 40. Eileen Warnes 32 out of 40. Okay. That's so, interesting. There you go. Hmm, and how's the book? You're reading a book, right? Oh, yeah, I'm reading a book about the um Psychopath Test mm. by John Ronson, who uh, talks about uh, mental health industry and. Um, Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty. It's yeah, it's pretty good. Cool. It's pretty good. I've got two questions for you, Tara. Is one of them fuck off? How many fingers am I holding up? And uh, what is uh, what is Aussie as? Well, in response, I'll hold up a finger to you and I'll say, Aussie as are short stories of criminal stupidity with a quintessentially Australian flavour. And I say that because I like saying the word quintessentially. This one was um, brought to my attention by Tracy Ladylock. So thank you, Tracy. A Queensland mayor has deemed four men who swam inside a baited crocodile trap near the scene of a deadly attack contenders for the title of Idiots of the Century. Oh, absolutely. Photos have surfaced of the men swimming around the trap and then sitting inside it behind a door designed to slam shut if a croc takes the bait. The photos were taken at the Port Douglas Marina, not far from where dementia sufferer Anne Cameron was taken by a 4.3 metre croc two weeks ago. I've been there. Yeah, you used to call it Port Douglas. Yeah. While the croc that killed Anne was caught and euthanised and made into handbags, the area around the marina is Sorry, still what? a well-known croc habitat. They were made into handbags? Oh, well, Lagerfeld probably bought it. Oh, right. No, what, what I'm saying is like they killed the one that um, that killed Anne, but... It's still a habitat for crocodiles. Oh, yeah. Like, just because they killed one crocodile doesn't mean all the others are like, oh, fuck that, there goes the neighbourhood. The Department of Environment and Heritage Protection is investigating and the men could each face fines of $15,000 if convicted of tampering with the trap. Douglas Shire Mayor Julie Liu says she's stunned by the stupidity of them. That's exactly where you might find a crocodile because that's where the bait is. Like, I bet she eye-rolled so hard her eyes got stuck in the up position. Yeah, we wish they had an eye-roll button on Facebook. Oh, there's got to be one. Environment Minister Stephen Miles said that the men were pictured swimming around the trap and venturing inside where they posed for pictures with big shit-eating grins on their dumb-ass faces. It appears they've swum under a sign that says it's illegal to tamper with this trap and put themselves literally where you place the bait, he said. Knuckleheads. Oh, my God. Idiot face. He said, I've seen some pretty ridiculous things in my time as environment minister, particularly when it comes to crocodiles, but this one takes the cake. Dr. Miles says it was dumb but not illegal to swim around the croc traps. You can't make everything that's stupid illegal, he said. This one is an example of Darwinism in action, people. It certainly is. Yeah, huh? That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Would you do that? I would never do that. Crocodiles don't play. They are all in. Yeah, yeah. They're a bit bitey. Oh, they're bitey and they will drag you under and then make you roll around and they have big teeth and it sucks and they'll eat you. Don't do it. Don't do it. Hey, that was really fun doing that together. That was Maybe actually we fun. Do more specials like this. Yeah, well, we do have that that one in mind that we were thinking of, uh, but yeah. we'll see. Well, well l- listeners, we we changed it up this week. Let us yeah. know what you think. Let us know, indeed.
So I've been Barney Black. And I've been Tara Saravan. And we just did some bloody murder Uncle Chop Chop style. Uncle Chop Chop. Please don't forget to review us on iTunes. And of course, rate and subscribe. It really helps us. Uh, Join our Facebook group, Bloody Murder Podcast. Oh my God. Did you see that some of the members are doing like a secret Santa with each other, like across the world? It's adorable. It's so gorgeous. I love it when I've like, haven't looked in for a while and they're all just in there chatting and having fun together all, all nicely. It's, very good. Hey, check out our new merch too because oh, we've got a few m- great new more n- new designs in there. That's bloodymurder.threadless.com. Uh, yeah, the, all of the, these are in the show notes. The, all this is in the show notes. Hey, follow us on Twitter and, and snap crap. Snap crap. Oh. Um, so thanks for listening and we'll be back next week. Goodbye and adios. And keep kicking against the pricks. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm trying to do an uncle chop chop laugh. <laughs> oh, Keithy seems to have done himself a mischief. I don't have any 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 but you got to do that. Um, here, there is no cash. There's no cash here. No, I don't have any good ones. Yes. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.